0: Healthcare. It's good to live. Proud sponsor of the Real Health podcast with Carl Henry.
1: Hello and welcome to the Real Health podcast with me, Carl Henry, in association with Lay Healthcare. This week's guest certainly needs no introduction. He's been a professional footballer, represented Ireland, Man United, Millwall, before becoming one of Ireland's most outspoken and popular commentators, columnist, writer, broadcaster radio presenter and now podcast host. Good God, there's an introduction. Eamon Dunphy, you're very welcome to the Real Health Podcast. It's great. It's a pleasure Uh, to be here. How are you? I'm great, thank God. We're going to chat about uh, life, basically, and lessons from life. Uh, Regular listeners to the show will know that every now and again we bring a surprise guest and we just chat... Things, okay. Basically, I want to start with your podcast first and foremost yeah. before I look back at your kind of career and your life. Tell us a little bit about the sand, why you did it, um, and how well it's doing. We were chatting before we came on air. Yeah. You Give me the numbers, huge figures each month.
0: Yes, um, I started it two and a half years ago. Um, I wanted to do radio, it's like radio. Um, and I also uh, thought I'd believe in RTE in the not too distant future. The great thing about a podcast is that you are independent. Uh, you are your own boss. You can do your own subjects and um, you're on your own, but it's, you know, the marketplace is there. So we started off with zero listeners um, and we worked very hard. Uh, good guests uh, on the stand. Um, we thought it would be a sports Podcast. So we started with Liam Brady, John Giles, Didi Hammam, who you couldn't get better contributors for soccer. But then we expanded into current affairs and we've had all kinds of really outstanding
1: guests. And do you find that it gives you freedom in terms of an interview that you wouldn't have on a a radio platform?
0: Yes, it does give you freedom because, I mean, I'm the editor. I make all the calls about who should be on. And um, I have a very good producer who you know does the sound and, and you know gets the finished article up, but yes, you are freer and it's less uh, formal. The other thing is you have time on stories and whether it's a cervical check story or Brexit or financial uh, you know problems with banks. What you get in the normal media is maybe ten minutes on a story. We can do thirty minutes. It's long-form journalism, really. The same with the football. You know, the guys are on every Monday, uh, and after every big match, and we have thirty-five, forty minutes, and it gives people on a commute, for example, or going to the gym, a good a chance to listen to a good conversation. Find out all the news about the story, not just the headline-grabbing uh, aspect of a story. I think it's, um, it's free, freer, uh, and I think it's the future. I think people will... There's an idea out there that people have short attention spans. Well, I don't think they do in certain circumstances. They'd have short attention spans if they were listening to a gobshite but they don't have (laughs) short attention spans if you've got a good guest like we had bertie hearn on brexit he was brilliant we've had him three or four times that this is a man who negotiated the good friday agreement who knows all about who was renowned as a great negotiator and to get his perspective on the whole brexit thing was fascinating
1: where did your love for media come from so to go from growing up in dublin to yeah. playing soccer abroad to coming back playing soccer, and then the decision to go into media, where did the was the love for books news always yeah. there as in your childhood Yes. Um, how do you make, mean, how did you make the leap from once from the, from soccer to to media I, well,
0: I was always into newspapers <clears throat> uh, they were cheap relatives. My father always brought a newspaper home from work we didn 't have a telly uh, and for quite a while we didn 't have radio because we didn 't have electricity, but we had. The paper. Uh, I was. They, my father was very interested in politics. So I, when I went to England when I was 15, it was a very exciting time. I went in 1960. That was the year John F. Kennedy became president of the United States. Martin Luther King was uh, coming with the civil rights movement. It was a very exciting uh, and um, optimistic time, in a way, when you contrast it with what we see today, Uh, to think that America's gone from John F. Kennedy to Donald Trump uh, in my lifetime uh, is mind-boggling. But I was really interested in that. uh, And in Britain, um, it's hard to uh, take it seriously now. But there was a time when Harold Wilson sounded exciting and optimistic. I was always interested in politics and current affairs. So, it wasn't something I had to learn. It was a natural interest. And I think that's very important. You can't really learn to be a journalist. And that's why I went into journalism. Because the only quali- there's no real qualification. If you go to a college to learn to be a journalist, life teaches you how to be a journalist, I think.
1: Um, I'm going to pull the conversation towards health, yep. wellness, fitness. Yes. And life. How... Does that integrate in your life now in terms of health and fitness and wellness? How, how do you integrate it into, into life?
0: Well, I was a professional footballer for 17 years, so I was very fit, uh, despite being a smoker, um, didn't drink uh, hardly at all, um, and was very fit um, well into my 30s. Um, I think that 17 years of fitness would stand to you. Well, you'd know better than me, Carl, but <laughs> I think it would stand to you for a long time. Mm-hmm unless uh, you got into excesses. And I didn't really, I have a reputation for being a party animal. Uh, I went to a few parties, but um, smoking would be the one um, thing that I did that I shouldn't have done and I gave it up, um, more or less. And <laughs> the, uh, the other big thing is diet, obviously, as I'm sure you know. And working out. Well, diet uh, is fine, perfect. Very little meat, uh, very little of things that's bad for you. And I work out for 20 minutes on a bike every day uh, for my old heart. Hmm. Uh, I've been lucky in many ways. I haven't had many uh, serious illnesses. Um, I do as much as I can, I walk. Uh, I definitely would be no paragon. But I don't drink excessively. I don't smoke anymore. And uh, I'm sort of mentally alert. I think someone who was as fit as I was because of soccer um, is always mindful of that. He wouldn't want to get, you know, really gross um but mentally also someone um of my age would start, would hope that that stayed intact and um, one of the reasons i work is i think it's good to exercise your mind mm-hmm. in the same way that you'd exercise your body i think it's very very important um and it's something that i feel um doing the podcast and doing other work um is Important, I think the idea that you'd retire at sixty-five and watch daytime television all day, <laughs> or go to the betting shop all day, <laughs> back horses, uh, which I'd be inclined to do. Um, I don't know, if backing horses kills you, Carl, does it?
1: Can do, can yeah. do. Yeah, I can get into some very <laughs> dark places. That's as, for sure.
0: As long as it doesn't, I'm all right. Uh, please God.
1: You strike me as someone who loves what they do. Yeah, I think you would love media, journalism, yep. the podcasts, people, I think, yeah. probably. Put yeah, it, yeah. But I can gather. Mm. Um, how do you achieve balance then? When people love something, mm. they get engrossed in it, and it can be hard mm. to find balance. It's very much a yeah. buzzword now. Um, how do you find balance in life? And do you think it's overrated? Or should people be striving for it? No,
0: I, I don't think it's overrated. I think people should be striving for it. I think it helps enormously if you enjoy what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where what I'm doing, or what you guys do, um, what you do, you like it. You enjoy it. It's not stressful in the way that a job, being in a job you hate, being in a job where you have a boss who's a bully, uh, being that bully, all of these things create stress and stress is a killer as we know. Now, my job is not stressful, really. You've got to get guests, yes. You've got to Do your work? Yes. But I enjoy the work and have a natural interest in it. So I think um, that really almost takes care of balance. Hmm. The other thing then is not to be too sedentary sitting down all day, which I would be guilty of as every chance I get to sit here and watch television (laughs) and racing and horses, I do it. And that would be where I'm out of balance. I probably should walk more. I probably should exercise more, maybe twice a day, but I do it once a day. But I do think a balance is hugely important. Um, But I've been very fortunate in that way. You know, journalism, uh, and I've been a freelance all my life. I've never been on staff anywhere. So you don't have to sit in the office all day. You don't have to deal with a bully all day. Um, And that's very important in your life.
1: How do you deal with the pressure of fame in some respects, probably notoriety is a better mm. is a better description of it, where you do an interview, there's something controversial in the interview, you're splashed all over the tabloids. How do you deal with that in terms of uh, pressure? Or do, does it yeah. does it get you? Does it not get you?
0: It, it does. I mean, I went through a period in my life um, when I was doing radio particularly, and we were sort of doing Guard of Corruption stories in Donegal, for example. And uh, I felt that uh, I got t- two drink-driving convictions in a very short period of time. Uh, and the tabloids went to town. And the implication was that I was a dipso, and I, which I wasn't. Uh, but I was caught. Um, and maybe, um, yeah, tabloids can uh, hurt you. There's no doubt about that. And I've said things... On television that have been controversial uh, in quotes Uh, if you if you tell the truth about any given situation it's bound to be controversial Mm -hmm. because everyone else is uh, gilding the lily pretending these bums are great men or or women uh, and you're saying well hold on a minute they're not so you it's it's you're going against conventional wisdom.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. All of these public figures uh, have, most of them, a spin operation around them. They have an image they want to protect. Mm -hmm. They want to suggest that they're kinder than us, that they've got more humility than us, more wisdom than us. They have more money than us. So that's the war, uh, really, for public approval, that they they always need these people. And
1: how, how do you deal with the pressure of that? Then, so you say something truthful, yeah, yet offensive, so that gets headlines. You walk out of side of your house, you go to the local shop, you're splashed yep. all over the front of the papers. How yep. does that, how does that, not that how does it affect you, but how do you handle the effect of that? Do you come home, have a cup of, have a cup of tea with your other half or do you, you know, I'm fascinated how how, yeah. how you, you deal with it because a lot of our listeners and what is very topical is dealing with, in terms of mental health, dealing with the pressure yeah. of negativity, for one for a better word.
0: Yeah, it's painful on the day um, and it can be for your family as well, for your children. When mm. I was, you know, when they were young and I was in the tabloids uh, that's really something you'd, I deeply regret, you know f- that they were hurt um, I kind of would be hurt but what I always understood, and it, it's true for anyone who finds themselves in that position the next day there'll be someone else in that box and you will be forgotten and it's, it's true that Uh, the the storm, the frenzy that surrounds someone for 24 hours or max 48 hours will just dissolve. And in a week's time, people will have forgotten it. And in general, if I go to the shops, uh, people are nice to me. I think they know that I'm not a saint, uh, but I don't think they think I'm a big sinner either. So I'm kind of normal. Because everyone has made mistakes in their own Mm -hmm. life. So they know what it's like to be in trouble. Uh, And I think you just have to uh, live with it. Uh, But it's not nice on the day. You've got to have the understanding that it's going to pass. Everything passes
1: and plus the belief of what you're saying ah, is yeah. Yeah. that you can stand over it you can stand by it and that, yeah you know, that gives you that gives you somewhat a sense of calm is the wrong word but you know that you're right
0: well yeah i believe in the karma i mean i i think karma is important it exists if you do good uh, it'll go around if you do bad it'll come back so i have that kind of uh, approach to life you know try to do the best you can mm-hmm. try to do the right thing and okay if it doesn't work it's still the right
1: thing to do if you were just sit down and have a chat with your 20 year old self <laughs> what advice would you give them
0: I'd say um, keep your head down don't offend <laughs> uh, the big cats <laughs> uh, and uh, go and do your job every day And look after your family and don't be doing uh, class A drugs. (laughs) Don't be (laughs) wandering around Grafton Street high as a kite singing with the buskers. Um, (laughs) And don't be driving cars when you've had a few pints, which is, of course, is a big no-no now. Um, So I'd tell them, I'd say everything that I didn't do. I did all of the things that you shouldn't do. Um, and actually, when you're working intensely on doing the daily radio show, uh, which I did uh, drive time show for five years, mm-hmm. um, that was high pressure work. Every month we'd go on the lash at the end of or when we got the Jane and the figures mm-hmm. on the lash if they were good and if they were bad, even more on the lash. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I did all that <laughs> stuff. And, uh, I mean, lots of people got the wrong idea. We, they thought we were doing it every night, but we weren't We were doing it once a month. Um, I actually got into a taxi, which I shared with a famous writer um, whose name was associated with the Nobel Prize for Literature, Pamville. <laughs> and he didn't know me very well. And I didn't know him very well either. It was actually in France, so we were on the plane together. And he was going in the same place as me, which was quite a long way. So we shared a taxi. And it was during this tabloid storm period in my life. And uh, we were jogging along up the motorway. And he said, uh, by the way, Eamon, do you take a drink still? <laughs> which is a way, a way of asking me if I was a dip so. <laughs> and I said, yes, John, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Have you got any? <laughs> anyway, people thought I was a, an alcoholic, I think. Um, but I'm not uh, at all. Actually, I'm quite a modest drinker. The future, the future. It um, it looks like we're on the back nine, Carl. Maybe three holes to play, <laughs> so uh, I'll be getting the driver out on every hole. Um, I think uh, the future is a podcast, um, and I'm lucky in that all the other things of my life are. You know fine um and i've had a a lucky life so i think the future now is very much a matter of wellness and making sure you know that i stick around for as long as i can um and it's a it's a big issue now for the world you know uh, people i'm 74 and i won't go away you know and there's lots of people 74 And then going anywhere. Lots of them will be around when they're 104 now. I don't expect to be around at that stage. But um, it's a growing problem. How do you care for people? Uh, And social care is so important. So the future um, is a concern for everyone of my age, I think. And you worry um, and you know that... The rest of it is going to be the toughest bit. So I'm prepared mentally for that, uh, knowing uh, that it's been as good as it's going to get. And um, the future will be testing. But I think you have to be if you have the mental fortitude, if you have an understanding of what's coming, then when it comes, you're better prepared. So I'll delay uh, all the, the bad things for as long as I can.
1: Eamon Dunphy, thank you so much for joining us on that. the Real Health Podcast, for so inviting us to your home, where this is the most relaxed, comfortable in you. have got a lovely, comfortable couch, there's a fire on. Yeah. We're all cozy in your in your front room. Thank you so much for joining us on the Real Health Podcast. It's been fascinating to get to talk to you. All those things you just described about heading into an interview, I had them as I walked up the steps into <laughs> your house uh, coming yeah. in today because I've watched you, I've admired you, um, yeah, and uh, when you agreed to, do the, to come on the show, I was absolutely delighted.
0: No, it's been a real so, pleasure meeting you. I know your father you. very well. He tried to get me fit once. <laughs> I couldn't lift the weights. No, it's been a pleasure, and
1: I've enjoyed it, and I hope it works for you guys. Well, thank you so much. Folks, as ever, you were listening to the Real Health Podcast in association with Leia Healthcare with me, carl henry if you have any questions any guest suggestions you know where we are real health at independent.ie at carl henry pt on twitter and on instagram as ever, I really hope you enjoyed this episode. These are some of the favorite episodes that I do because we get to pick the brains of people who've had fascinating careers, fascinating lives, and who are just really, really interesting and ask some questions that they've never really been asked before, which is lovely, and it's a great chance and opportunity to get to, to uh, learn from people who've had careers like Eamon. Have a wonderful week, and we'll see you next week. Slong go fó.
0: Leia healthcare it's good to live proud sponsor of the real health
1: podcast with carl henry